Welcome to Puckheads, your source for NHL news and hockey talk around the world. I'm Matt Rosenberg. Alongside me, Zach Smith. You can reach us on a variety of ways, podcasts, podcasts at gmail.com. You can listen to us on Spotify and other podcast uh, networks as well. And Zach, it's hard to believe that we are now officially at the one-month mark of the NHL season. And we've got some surprises. we got some other things that are going on. But first, let's get into a couple of scary incidents during that happened actually during the weekend, Milan Lucic got suspended for two games, which I, I guess probably doesn't surprise anybody because Milan Lucic, but he sucker punched uh, in a game, I want to say it was Friday or Saturday night against the Columbus Blue Jackets. So Milan Lucic got suspended two games for a sucker punch to a Columbus Blue Jacket player whose name I will get up for you here in a second. Um, he basically, he sucker punched Cole Sherwood. And this was during a Saturday night game. It was five minutes in the second period. He punched Sherwood behind the flames that knocking him to the ice. Uh, a scary incident. I guess it doesn't really surprise you in terms of Milan Lucic. But there's just no need for that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's... Uh... There is a place for fighting in this game, I believe. You know, some people would say that's controversial. I think it's part of what makes hockey fun is when you have two guys square off. A sucker punch in any sport um, is, you know, it's just something that should never be allowed. Um, it, it makes the game more dangerous. It makes the game less fun um, and less safe for people. So um, certainly a scary moment. You, you know, We've seen throughout the years people get seriously injured, and it's always, um, you know, always scary to see a, a person get knocked out during the game. Um, you know, there's no place for what Milan Lucic did this weekend, and um, we'll see. It'll be, you know, as if, uh, as with every sport, there's always retaliation that comes from something like this, which, uh, you know, I'm not saying that's the wrong thing to do because. Uh, as an athlete, if someone did it to my teammates, probably what I would want to go for too. But the retaliation just adds a whole other level to it. More injuries can happen. Uh, it's a situation that doesn't need to occur in the first place. Absolutely. There's no no place for it in this game. And I, I think it's good to see the NHL really took action swiftly. They didn't waste any time within, you know, what, under 24 hours, he was suspended for two games. The, the more scarier incident was, and I, I saw this happen watching the replay several times, was in the Senators-Bruins game on Saturday night. Scott Saborin uh, collided with David Backes and appeared to lose consciousness as he was falling to the ice. His head hit the ice. He has a fractured nose, uh, a chipped tooth, a black eye, a few cuts. Um, it was unintentional. Let's put it that way. It, it was it was unintentional. It was literally just two guys skating. They collided with each other, and, and David Backus left the game right after that with an upper body injury. But you could tell David Backus was visibly upset with what happened, and you know it's just one of those things that unfortunately it just happens. And you, you know you're skating at high speeds, you collide with each other, and unfortunately this does occasionally happen. The good news is Saborn seems to be in better spirits. And they should be okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's like you said, it's an, it's an unfortunate part of the game. Um, clearly unintentional. You know, these are just two tough guys going at it. Um, 
Yeah, I think you touched on a good point with Beck, as I can remember when, uh, was it Seabrook that knocked him out a few years back when he was still playing for St. Louis? In the playoffs. Yeah, put him into the boards. Um, you know, a scary injury there. So, you can, so you know, he knows what it feels like on the other end to do it. Uh, you could see him, you know, physically and emotionally shaken up from the incident. Um, like you said, glad that uh, Saborin's in, in better spirits. Hopefully we can uh, get them both back on the ice because they're two tough players. Um, yeah, just an unfortunate part of the game. It happens, you know, high speeds, high collision rate. Um, it happens every once in a while. You hate to see it. But the NHL's really taken a lot of steps to uh, create a safer game. So, you know, some of these are just inevitable. Yeah, and, and look, again, there's, it's just two bodies. It was uh, you know, completely accidental. You know that the guys you know, feel bad about what happened, and you can see that David Backus' reaction. Now, in fairness to the situation several years ago with Brent Seabrook and David Backus, that was, I don't want to say it was, you know, that was a lot more intentional, and the ugliness with Seabrook and Duncan Keith mm-hmm. uh, making light of the fact that he had a concussion was not the best moment for the Blackhawks. It, it was, you know, a pretty disturbing thing considering, you know, Concussions are a serious thing in this sport. So um, it'll be interesting to see what what happens. And, you know, hopefully Saborn gets back on the ice soon. I think David Backus is going to be fine, too. I think he's more shaken up than anything. And you can see there were tears in his eye, um, you know, when you, when you saw it happen. And it's just an unfortunate circumstance, as you said, of, of this game. All right, well, that aside, let's go really quickly. Um, the Western Conference and the rise of the Canadian teams in the Western Conference. You have Edmonton under a new coach and Dave Tippett. They are leading the Pacific Division. They've been up and down lately, but they've kind of steadied it out. And then you look at Van- the Vancouver Canucks. They're in second place of the Pacific Division. This is an impressive team so far in the early going of the year. I you got to give your hats off to the Vancouver Canucks, who have been one of the you know, most pleasant surprises in the NHL so far. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've, you know, Matt, you and I have talked about the Canadian teams overall in uh, the entire league and oftentimes not getting the respect that they're due. Um, it's been great to watch some of these young teams um, in Edmonton, Vancouver, especially. Um, in the Pacific Division, you have Calgary, who's you know right in the middle of the pack, but um, after a slow start, is starting to put it together. Um, we're really seeing these teams, you know, compete for um, division titles, for conference titles, um, and I think it makes the, the overall sport better when you have good competitive Canadian teams. Oh, absolutely, I agree. You know, it, it is much better when the Canadian teams are competitive. It, it's not fun. We had like a couple of years ago when all the Canadian teams missed the playoffs, or you're having Canadian teams that aren't going far in the playoffs. Think about last year; all the Canadian teams were out by the end of the first round. You know, Toronto was eliminated, Calgary was eliminated. Uh, you, you know, so you need the Canadian teams to be competitive. It's just that's what makes I think hockey special. You think about someone like Elias Pettersson, who has 20 points so far this season. Brock Bowser has seven goals, leads the team. He has 16 points. J.T. Miller 
has been a great acquisition for this Vancouver team. And I love that trade when they made it because I think JT Miller is just a really good player. He has 15. Uh, Bo Horvat has 13. But they're also getting contributions from their defensemen, whether it be you know Alex Adler and Quinn Hughes, also 10 points. That's six guys right there that have, you know, double-digit points already and you know, we're, what, 14 games in the season. And, you know, uh, Mark Strump's been really good. So's Demko. This, this is a team that's been very stingy in terms of goals allowed. A, a, you know, it's fun to see the Vancouver Canucks with a really exciting young court kind of start to rise back because Patterson is just a phenomenal talent. And so's Brock Bozer. And this is something that, well, Vancouver kind of deserves this after going through some lean years towards the end of the Sedin. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, when we talked about Vancouver before the season, we were saying, you know, an exciting team, but not quite there yet. Um, they've been, you know, one of the biggest surprises, I think, so far this early season. A lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, I think both Edmonton and Vancouver in the Western Conference are going to be two tough outs because they've got, you know, really good offensive players, really young talents. The blue line is holding it together where maybe it was a question mark and the most surprising for both the teams has been their goaltending play so yep. um, yeah very exciting to watch I, I really like Vancouver so far this season me too me too and I, I can't wait for those west coast games you know over the holidays and being able to watch them and actually stay up and not have to get up for, uh, for work in the morning by the way Vancouver is tied with the Boston Bruins for the best goal differential in the NHL and they are one of three teams in the Western Conference to have a double-digit goal differential in the plus and the positive. And uh, so it's them, the natural predators, and ironically, the Arizona Coyotes <laughs> have that. So, yeah, it, it is an interesting thing. And, and you know, we talked about Edmonton. We talked about them in the last couple of weeks, how they just continue to get it done. It's a, a team that's, you know, when you look at their underlying numbers, it, it's, Hard to figure out, are they going to be able to keep this up? And, and you know, the pack has definitely come to catch up to them in, in what looks to be a lot more competitive Pacific Division than we originally thought. You know, we have McDavid and Drysaddle. Drysaddle, 26 points, McDavid, 23. But again, there's only one person who is in double digits of points, and that's James Neal. He has 11 goals. Other than that, I mean... I mean, okay, so between Drysaddle and McDavid, they have 19 of the 43 goals on this team. You put James Neal into that, that's 30 of the three goals. Edmonton's been a great story so far. I do wonder if they can sustain that if they're not getting additional goals from other people. There's only one other person that has more than two goals, and that's Zach Cassian with three. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's always been the biggest question mark for them is uh, we know that the talent of McDavid and Dreisaitl is phenomenal. I mean, two of the best in the world. Um, but it takes more than two guys to uh, to have a long, sustained uh, season, to have a successful playoff run. Um, so we'll see. We, they obviously need other guys to step it up, but so far, um, a good start to the season for them. Absolutely. And give them credit. Uh you know, last week we talked about Vladimir Tarasenko and him and his injury and, oh my gosh, the world's crashing down the St. Louis Blues. You know, this is a team that showed their resiliency last year and 
They just don't care. They won four in a row. It's the team that leads the Central Division by three points here in the early going of the season as we as we get past the one-month mark. And I, it's incredible. They, they've won 4-3 over Minnesota, 4-3 over Columbus, 2-1 over Minnesota. That's their last three games. And, I mean... What else do you have to say about this team except resiliency? Three one-goal wins, and this is a team that's very, very good in close games. Uh, you know, they they win a lot in these close games. Yeah, I think the biggest story of St. Louis, obviously, you know, they're not being affected by the Stanley Cup hangover, um, leading the Central Division currently. Um you know, the most interesting statistic for me is that they have a goal differential of plus one, which means they're playing a lot of close games. And while that could cause concern for some people, that's just the way the Blues like to play. You know, they're not, uh, we're going to light you up and put eight on the board. Uh, we're not going to blow you out of the water with a, with a strong first period. They're going to, you know, grind it out black and blue the entire game, beat you up physically. And uh, it shows with, you know, them winning four in a row despite losing arguably their best player in Tarasenko. So um, a great start so far for the, the Con Smith winner. Ryan O'Reilly's got 16 points so far. Um, Bennington has been solid, which, you know, we had the question marks. Was he a one-hit wonder or not? He's keeping them in games. Um, you know, I, th I think they're winning the way that they want to play. And at the end of the day, you know, you can't fault them for that. They're, they're not trying to be someone they're not. Um, they're winning games in a, in a tough division. And uh, they're certainly one of the top teams so far this year. Absolutely, they are. And so, uh, you know, give credit to the St. Louis Blues. Again, no Stanley Cup hangover, as you mentioned. It's the team, but they like these close games. They like the pressure of them. And they continue to move on. And it'll be interesting to see, can they keep it up? Or is this just a kind of brief, you know, emotional, uh, how about you know, boots from the Tarasenko injury. All right, let, let's get to our uh, Chicago Blackhawks, shall we? And looking at the Chicago Blackhawks, up and down road trip. It starts out in Nashville with just an absolutely horrendous game. They're outshot, what was it, like 51 to 20, I think was, I, I you know, 12 to 1 in high danger chances. I, it was horrendous. Then you go to LA and you play, again, you get outshot by the, the team that it's just horrendous in shooting the puck. And then, you know, you wind up losing that in overtime. Jonathan Tate finally scores a goal to tie the game with, what, like two minutes to play. And they had their chances in overtime and then. You know, I think the one mistake that Boquist made is he gets in the corner, he just throws it out to the middle, and Alex Nylander's behind the net, all of a sudden it becomes a 2-1. Corey Crawford actually makes the stop, but it's behind him, he has no idea where it is. Drew Doughty, wheeling behind the net, taps it in. Then last night, they played the Anaheim Ducks on a back-to-back. -back. They look great in the first period, then on Sunday can't play in the third period. And Anaheim ties it up, they go to overtime, Jonathan Tate wins the faceoff, and that's all that it wrote. You know, Patrick Kane puts it into the net on, on just a great finish from a great pass by Jonathan Tate. But this team is just up and up. They're 1-1-1 one, one, one in the road trip. They've gotten three points. And 
I don't know what to make with this point. By the way, Adam Gronquist made since NHL debut last, uh, Saturday. Scores his first goal on a really pretty shot last night. Uh, he has a very good wrist shot. But I, I still don't know what to make of this team, Zach. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's, um, you know, I don't want to fault that Nashville win because, you know, we talked about it last week. Pecorine is, is arguably the best in the game right now, so... It's tough to go into um, into into Nashville's stadium. Um, you know, good old Smashville. They they play a tough game. You know, it's not a bad loss. Um, man, L.A. They should have won after. Obviously, you light them. You light up the Kings when they come to Chicago. Um, you know, what was that? A week earlier, a week and a half earlier. Yep. Um, so to lose that game in overtime, you're probably lucky to even be playing overtime against them. Um, the Ducks win, you know, uh, it's not like it's uh, anything extraordinary. I really feel like, you know, they're still in the same place that we keep saying each week. Yep. I don't really see the, You know, the one positive I do see is um, you've got this new young guy, uh, Boakfist. you got Doc. They're bringing some life. They're bringing some excitement. Um, they're starting to produce and, uh, you know, generate some, some offense for the team. Um, you know, Leonard is still very playing very good. Crawford getting better. Um, you know, there are some positives with the team, but right now it's, um, it's again, it's nothing to write home about. Uh, they're getting ready to play the Sharks. Is that tonight, tomorrow? Tomorrow night, 9.30. Tuesday night, 9.30. At San Jose, so they continue yep. the road trip um, against a, a team that, you know, has been underwhelming in San Jose, but certainly is going to be a tough test there. I don't know. It's um, it feels just like a lot of treading water right now. They're still at the bottom of the division, not you know all the way to the bottom. They're better than Minnesota, which is not much of a, a compliment at this point. Um, no, they're bad. So I just you know it. I feel like it's just uh, the same old that we've been saying each week. Um, hopefully they can string together. Obviously they're on a tough you know um, road trip right now. You get back home a few games in a row, try and put something together. So. Um, uh, you know, if they can come out 500 out of this road trip, I feel like that's a successful, you know, stop for them, yes. all things considered. I would agree. It, look, it, they have a chance to at least make it a decent road trip. Then they got to win at home. Um, I, I don't know. Look, I, I'm not going to get into a rant about my thoughts about Jeremy Colleton and his lines. Um, I'm glad they went to the Strom to bring Cat Kane line. I actually think that he has the right people with Taze. Um, watching that game Saturday night, I kept thinking to myself that the other guy that would fit on Taze's line is Dominic Kubelik. He has that, like, Hosa-type body. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but this line's working with Saad, Nylander, and Taze, and it's creating offense. So, you know, to me, then, okay, I, I'm not going to get specifically in the lines. I'm just going to get one thing that's bugging me. Okay, if Kirby Doc is on this team, Kirby Doc should not be playing on the fourth line. If you are going to develop Kirby Doc, it doesn't happen with seven minutes of ice time a night. That's the, that's the only thing I'm going to complain about this week, is that Kirby Doc should be on the third line. And you keep the top two lines as they are, Sante's and, and Nylander and, and, you know, the Brinkat, Strom, Kate. Your third line needs to be Shaw, Doc, 
Kubalik. I you know David Camp does not deserve to be on the third lineup. Sorry. Yeah, I mean I agree. We talked about it. if you're going to keep Doc up, um, you know, for what looks like the season at this point, and you want to invest into your top pick from this year, you want to see him progress. You have to give him the opportunity to. Otherwise, what's the point of bringing him up? And giving him no time, you might as well put him back down in the minors. Put him on the top line there. At least we can get some development out of him. Yeah, it's uh, it's frustrating to watch. Again, some of the changes that we suggested and that we discussed in the last couple of weeks, uh, it seems like they've made to, to uh, increase the efficiency of our offense. But um, this is just another, you know, head scratcher and wondering why, you know, what's the point of keeping him up here if, you, if he's not going to get in the game. And they did say that Kirby Doc will be with the Blackhawks for the rest of the season. So that's the first year of his entry-level contract burn. Same thing with Boquist. If he plays more than nine games, uh, NHL games, he would also burn the first year of his NHL contract. So, look, it just Doc should be on the third line. Should be in 12 minutes a night. You know, if you want to put Ryan Carpenter in for a few shifts and, you know, not overload, I'm fine with that. But Kirby Doc should be getting, you know, 12, 13, 14 minutes at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there, there's no reason that Kirby Doc should not be getting at least 12 minutes at night. But only thing I'm going to say about that. All right, let's go to our top three teams, Zach. And I am going to go with my top three. I think you should do your top three. We'll just make it easier. My third team is the Edmonton Oilers, leaders of the Pacific Division. Look, they continue to find ways to win. You know, McDavid and Drysaddle and, and James Neal are carrying that team, especially McDavid and Drysaddle. They they have, you know, well over 20 points already. They're among the league leaders in points and goals and everything. You name it. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers have been fantastic so far, and, and they just find ways to get, get it done with this kind of no-name defense and, and you know, this goaltending tandem of Smith and Koskinen. So... Uh, Edmonton Oilers are number three for me. The number two team, I have the Boston Bruins. 10-1-3 so far. They haven't played many games. Or, and this is a, a Bruins team. I think it's 10-1-2, excuse me. They've only played 13 games. Uh, but they've only lost one in regulation. Uh, this team just skates around people. They have, it's more than one line. They, they get fantastic depth scoring. Tukaraska has been phenomenal. I believe this, they've only allowed... Like twenty nine goals, or twenty seven in the thirteen games. It's it's a ridiculous number. Two grass has just picked up where he left off, and hey, the Boston Bruins again getting it done. And my number one team is the Washington Capitals. Uh, they are, I believe, the highest scoring team in the NHL. They they have like sixty four goals already. They lead all teams in points. They are the NHL leader in points. Uh. They've been fantastic. They've played a few more games than the Bruins. and But it's a team, I want to say, like they're 11-2-3 and three off the top of my head. And the Washington Capitals, I mean, Ovechkin's not showing any signs of slowing down. Uh, nobody is on this team. And, and they just continue to get it done. Uh, Verona had a hat trick earlier this week. So uh, hats off to the Washington Capitals. This, this is a team that's... Again, looking mighty formidable already. Absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> you've said it. Three of the best teams so far. Um, well deserving of their spots in your power rankings. Uh, we'll jump into mine next. I'm going to start number three. 
a team that we talked about already, the St. Louis Blues. Um, you know, they, they're they doing, um, you know, better than we thought they would coming off a Stanley Cup victory. Uh, no hangover there. They're doing it with uh, some question marks with Tarasenko being injured. Um, you know, I just like them. They grind it out. Uh, they play their style, and right now they're leading their division. So I've got them number three in my power rankings. Number two, I've got a team that we, you know, gushed over last week, the um, the New York Islanders. They are, um, at this point, nine wins in a row. Um, most recently on a back-to-back, they beat Tampa Bay at home 5-2, and then the following night they win on the road at Buffalo uh, 1-0 in a, in a tight game there. They're playing exceptionally well on the offensive side. Their goaltending has been um, – you know, in, incredible by all means uh, for what we considered they would have. They're just an exciting story. Um, I've got them as my number two team just because of how hot they are right now. Number one, I've got the Washington Capitals as well. Obviously, as you said, Matt, they're um, they're just great in every area of the game. Um, their offense is quite outstanding. Um, what else can you say? They're, you know, top ten in special teams. They're, you know, dominating teams on the road. They're fun to watch. Anyway, you know, watch Nelitz Ovechkin goal celebration. It'll make you happy. It'll make your, you know, woes go away if you have an Alex Ovechkin goal celebration. It's fun to watch. And yeah, they're, they're fun. I mean, there's a lot of teams that you can put into this top three. I, mm-hmm. I, I love your choice of the Islanders. They've just been red hot. And I mean, this is a team that, you know, it, look, they lost their goalie. Uh, they struck out on Artemi Panarin. It's a team that, like, Man, they, they still get it done. And I got a lot of respect for Barry Trotz and what he does. And, and you know, the Islanders are just a fantastic hockey club. Fantastic yeah. hockey club. A lot of fun to watch. Yeah. All right, let's go to our player of the week. And mine's probably going to sound a little odd at first, but this is a guy who saved 89 shots out of 93 <laughs> this, this week. Um, he went one and one, and, and he wound up having to be called into relief and Saturday. My choice is Robin Leonard because this is a guy who faced 12 high-danger sh- shots. Um, he managed to penalty kill against Nashville. He, now, he gave up one against Anaheim. Robin Leonard has been fantastic for the Chicago Blackhawks, and if they had any semblance of being able to score, they would be a lot better team than they are right now in the standings, because Leonard has just shown that last year was not a fluke, because this is a horrendous defense that he's playing behind. And, I mean, this is a guy who, I mean, that Nashville game should have been 7-0. It's 7-0 if Robin Leonard's not in that. And then he has to come in because Corey Crawford takes a shot off the helmet Saturday night, and the concussion spotters are the one who call him off the ice. So Leonard comes in for five minutes, and he made some absolute spectacular save on the penalty kill. And, you know, comes in for five minutes and then, you know, goes out. And then he winds up winning last night, again, with a f- fantastic performance. 36 saves on 38 shots. Uh, I mean, gosh, I mean, what else do you need to say about Robin Leonard and stuff? Just phenomenal. Yeah, he's been, I mean... You know, playing for our hometown team, he's certainly been fun to watch. He's been the best storyline for our Hawks so far. Um, 
but you you also touch on you know the the personal side of him uh the, the challenges he's faced um the great advocate he's been for um you know mental health in the nhl um you know just a great all-around player and even better person um he's definitely a great pick for your player of the week and you're a player of the week zach yeah, my player of the week. Uh, we're going to keep it from the guys who don't get enough recognition. I've got Mike Smith, uh, the goaltender for the Edmonton Oilers, um, someone that I've been, you know, t- really just talking about and gushing yeah. about all season. Um, an absolutely fantastic week. He saves 23 of 24 shots uh, at Columbus on Wednesday where the uh, Oilers win 4-1. Then he follows it up Saturday night at Pittsburgh. He saves 51 of 52 shots in a 2-1 win. Um, absolutely phenomenal for this uh, last week, a 97 uh, save percentage. Uh, just he's He's been outstanding. For one of the guys that we've had so many question marks on, um, you know, Mike Smith we looked at as that second-tier level of free agent goalie. Um, yep. I feel like he's really been matching the um, the excellence of McDavid and Dreisaitl on the other end. So he's my player of the week. I agree. He is. Uh, Smith was fan. I, I caught the third period of that Oilers-Penguins game and the overtime uh, on the NHL Network on Saturday afternoon. <laughs> it was phenomenal watching uh, Mike Smith duel uh, with the Pittsburgh Penguins and, and just a tremendous, tremendous game. So... You know what? It's ironic that we both went goaltenders this week. I don't think we got a goaltender at all uh, this this whole season so far. All right, Zach, let's go and look because the first month, and typically, if you are in a playoff position after the first month, and you are you know you have a very good chance of making the playoffs in the NHL with the three point games. In addition, if you have to be within four points of a playoff spot in order to have a, a you know a good shot and feel good about yourselves in terms of making the uh, playoffs. So, real quickly, if let's look, we'll just go with the top three, uh, and then I'll say who's in the lead of each conference, okay? And then we'll go with the wild card. So, Washington Capitals and are the top team in the Eastern Conference. So, we'll go with the Metropolitan Division, the Washington Capitals, the New York Islanders, and the Carolina Hurricanes are your top three teams. In the Atlantic, the Boston Bruins, the Buffalo Sabres, and the Florida Panthers are the top three teams. If the playoff, if they ended, Pittsburgh and Toronto would be your wild cards, and Pittsburgh and Toronto would actually have to cross divisions because Pittsburgh has more regulation and overtime wins right now than Toronto. Montreal at 16 points is one point outside of Toronto and Pittsburgh looking in. Philly and Tampa are at 14 points. Columbus at 13. That means the the Rangers, the Devils, the Red Wings, and the Senators are more than four points behind. Looking at the Eastern Conference, uh, what do you take away from those standings? Yeah, I I think there's, um, you know, you're not surprised that Washington and Boston are where they are. Um, you know, my, my two biggest surprises both come out of the Atlantic. Um, as we've been talking about the Buffalo Sabres continue to surprise and impress me. Um, the fact that they're second in the Atlantic, um, 
you know, they've been just a great story and had one of the best starts of the season. I really think the most surprising team is, you know, Tampa Bay yep. sitting down there at 14 points. I mean, a team that, um, you know, many people, not just us, but experts across the sport, pick to, you know, make it and both make it and win the Stanley Cup. Uh, we expect them to be putting up points like they were last year with their record-setting um, regular season. And they've been, you know... They're certainly not out of it by any means, but they've been disappointing thus far, and I think they're my biggest surprise. I, I would agree with that. Tampa Bay is just a, it's it's a big surprise, and I, I want to caution with they they played thirteen games, the least amount of games in their own division so far. Well, I take the back. Ottawa's played twelve. Excuse me, but Tampa's has a game in hand on Montreal, Toronto, Florida, and Buffalo. I mean, it's too early to talk about games in hand, but the fact is they've only got fourteen points. And they're scuffling. Uh, they've given up 47 goals already. This is a team that was very stingy last year. They're not as stingy. When they're giving up, you know, almost four goals a game, you got issues. And it's going to be interesting to watch Tampa Bay try to work their way through it. To me, the most disappointing team is the New Jersey Devils. It's a team that's at the bottom of the Metropolitan Division. They're 3-5-4. and four. They haven't been able to get any momentum whatsoever and it seems like when they win a game then they lose two and they've just shot themselves in the foot mightily all year long and it's been interesting to see them and the Carolina Hurricanes as well yes I know that the Carolina Hurricanes made the Eastern Conference final but this is a team that you know nobody kind of knew what they were going to be they traded away parts of their defense everyone thought it was a one-year wonder and right now they're playing pretty darn well right now, and, and you know, 11, plus eleven goal differential. So I, I think that, yeah, to me, it's you know, New Jersey's disappointed, but Carolina's a, a pleasant surprise to see that they continue to do this. Absolutely, I mean, um, Carolina, you know, they've had a good start to their season after a successful run last year. Um, we'll see. Obviously, still early. Um, the Eastern Conference, in many ways, is what they we thought they were, where it's, you know, 10, 11, 12 teams deep. Your Denny um, Green speech. Yeah, so it's, uh, man, it's, it's you know, some some good surprises, some disappointing teams, um, but a good start to the season for the Eastern Conference. Yeah. All right, let's go over to the Western Conference and look at it. The Edmonton Oilers and St. Louis Blues are tied with the most points. I believe, I, I'm just going to say Edmonton would be the top seed because they have one more win than the St. Louis Blues. So, you know, Edmonton at 21 points, Vancouver at second at 20 points in the Pacific, and I have a 19 at 19. Those would be your top three so far. In the Central Division, it's St. Louis, Nashville, and Colorado. So Nashville and Colorado, you know, tied for second, a couple, few points behind. Your wild cards would come out, both come out of the Pacific Division, Vegas Golden Knights and the Calgary Flames are tied at 18 points. Uh, looking right outside, on the outside looking in, would be the Arizona Coyotes at 17, the Winnipeg Jets at 16, and the Dallas Stars, who have started winning some hockey games. They've won three in a row at 15. Those are the only point, the only teams within four points. Other than that, you've got, I don't know if, you know, there are some surprising teams that we're going to talk about, but what do you take from that Western Conference so far? Yeah, it's um, the Western Conference I thought was going to be the toughest one to predict just because you had, you know, the teams that you expect to be there, then you've got some good young teams um, who could make that jump. 
I think, you know, if you go the biggest surprise for me, to be honest, is Winnipeg because, you know, they're a team that had a good season last year, some playoff success. Um, you have the, you know, disagreement and the um, ultimately the suspension of Dustin Bufflin, so they lose their team leader. Um, you wonder, is this team for real? They've now lost their best player and their leader. Um, they're still, you know, they're still in it. They're right outside of the playoff window looking in. Um, the fact that they're only two points behind Colorado and Nashville means that, you know, they still have plenty of life. Um, they've really been a team that I was, you know, especially with the Bufflin news, I wasn't too high on, but they've really surprised me. Yeah. You know, I, I, the surprise to me so far, and, and we touched on them earlier, was the Vancouver Canucks. Because it's like them and the Anaheim Ducks to me are both in the same boat. I didn't really have any expectations for either team. But yet here they are, and the Anaheim Ducks seem to be falling back to earth a little bit. But the Vancouver Canucks, with their goal differential, they've shown that they have the defense and that they can, you know, they can handle themselves. If they can keep that goal differential up, they're going to wind up, you know, we're talking about a team that has a good shot at making the playoffs. So the Vancouver Canucks have been, I think, the biggest surprise, even more so than the Edmonton Oilers or the Anaheim Ducks. And, and, I just think that the way that they play, that they're getting contributions from Quinn Hughes and Alex Adler, to that you know Elias Elis Pedersen has taken another step, as well as Proposer. They've taken another step and made their games more dynamic. It's a very pleasant surprise. To me, the big disappointment in the in the Western Conference, and I just spoiled it with the Pacific, is the San Jose Sharks. This is a team that they are one of. You know, four teams in the NHL to still not be out of single-digit points. They're 4-10-1. They've lost five in a row. Their goaltending is an absolute mess. I mean, this is a team that has given up 56 goals. Martin Jones, Arendelle, it's been a mess. They've been a mess defensively. They can't stop anybody. So, you know, what I take from that is that San Jose has got some serious, serious issues. And I don't know how San Jose fixes it, because San Jose has a lot of big contracts on the books. Yeah, it's, um, you know, we were going back and forth with them in Dallas being two of the most disappointing teams um, that we expected to be competitive. Dallas is starting to turn it around, yep. which, um, you know, is not too surprising, I think, for both of us. San Jose just stinks. Um <laughs> You know, it's, there's no other way to say it. There, there's no, you, you can't be nice about it. I mean, there's really no, you know, there are good individual players on the team, but overall, there, there's not much to, to talk about. Um, you said nine points, bottom of the, um, of the Pacific. And I think the biggest story of the Western Conference is in the Pacific Division. You know, when we made our, our predictions, we thought it was going to go chalk. We thought for sure your three teams in are going to be Vegas, Calgary, and San Jose. Right now you've got Vegas and Calgary taking your two wild card spots, so they make the playoff San Jose at the bottom there, but we didn't expect Edmonton. I mean, I liked Edmonton, but you don't expect them to be at the top. You definitely don't expect Vancouver and Anaheim to be there. Um, you don't expect Arizona to be competitive. I mean, they've got a great goal differential, uh, plus 10, so they're doing good things. Um, L.A. is where you expect them to be, you know, towards the bottom. It's uh, it's completely flipped of what we thought it might be. If I had to say one division that I think could be topsy-turvy 
I could completely change by the end of the year, it's that one. I the Pacific Division. I would not be surprised if we are talking about Vegas, Calgary, and Arizona as the three teams that are in the lots in the Pacific. Because Anaheim, I have questions about their staying power. I have questions about Vancouver's staying power and questions about Edmonton's staying power. But Arizona gets the job done. And, you know, and Calgary and Vegas, I mean, Vegas has been there all year. But Calgary has finally kind of pulled themselves out there. And they're right in there. So, uh, you know, this Pacific Division is going to be fun to watch. Especially because the Central is down this year. And, and there's no other way to say it. Um, if you are a team that's really out of, you, you got to win now. Because especially, you know, when you come to Thanksgiving, and we're only three weeks away, three and a half weeks away from Thanksgiving, that's when you, that really, that cutoff really gets even more defined in terms of if you're even, you know, six points out, good luck to you. Good luck to you to try to make the playoffs. So. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly when teams start to hit the panic button. Yep. Um, so we'll see what it looks like. I, like you said, I'm interested to see how the Pacific plays out in the next few weeks because uh, I think it, it's at the point where it could change on a daily basis. Me too, me too. All right, let's get to our signature segment at the end of every show. Zach, take it away. It's time for Smith's Hits. Well, first, do we want to do our game of the week? No, oh, we do want to go. Oh. You know, I got so jazzed up with the standings. Okay, yeah. You know what? Okay, false start on Matt. You can go ahead and put your game in a week. Yeah, you're, you're becoming a betting man, I know. You're, you're too excited for it. Sure I am. Um, <laughs> so I'll start with my game of the week. I've got uh, a team that really we've probably talked about the most this segment. Uh, Friday night, 7 p.m., Vancouver heads to Winnipeg for a great matchup. Um, you know, they bring their, their exciting duo. Um, led by Elias Pettersson. Uh, Winnipeg, as I said, is one of my more surprising positive teams so far. I think it's going to be a good game, Friday night hockey. Um, yeah, I, I expect Vancouver to get the win, but I think it's going to be a close game. All right, my game is a Saturday matinee action. So you can watch this game and still go out of the town by 3 o'clock. So, Perfect. Uh, you know, and it is Veterans Day weekend, so it's a long weekend for a lot of people coming up. I know it's not for you, Zach. For me, it is. Um, but my game is between two of the hottest teams in the Eastern Conference. The Florida Panthers go to take on the New York Islanders. Uh, it's a noon start, I believe here, noon central. So one Eastern. And I think that's going to be a fantastic game. And anytime you can get a matchup with Joe Quinville versus Barry Trotz, you got to watch it. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Sparks will fly. Great offense. Um, it's a good pick. All right, now that we had our 60-minute, 60 60-second 60 timeout to go back after my false start a minute earlier, now it's time for Smith's Hits. Absolutely. So as we uh, have, have been saying, Smith's Hits, um, a great name coined by our very own Matt Rosenberg. Um, you know, the betting segment of this podcast talking about all things um, money in terms of the NHL. If you've been following our Twitter page, um, at Puckhead Pod, I'm putting out, at least trying to put out a uh, at least one prediction for a bet each, uh, for each day. But for the podcast, I do three games from the Tuesday slate, and we've got a, a great amount to pick from. So um, before we go into that, so far for my pod picks on the season, I'm 5-2, and two, um, which has been pretty successful. Uh, overall, I'm six and five. So if you're looking for success, listen to the podcast. Um, follow us on Twitter, but maybe pick the opposite games that I'm going with. 
because uh, six and five were hovering around that 500 mark. So my picks for Tuesday, we've got first the St. Louis Blues at the Vancouver Canucks, two of the best teams so far in the Western Conference, two of our personal favorite teams. Vancouver is plus one. Um, you know, they're giving St. Louis the, the edge here uh, just because they've been so good this the start of the season. I say take Vancouver with the points. They're playing at home. Uh, I think they're going to keep it close. I don't expect a blowout by any means. Um, I think, you know, St. Louis might still get the win, uh, but Vancouver with the points feels like a good bet. Colorado at Dallas. Colorado, one of the teams that we're uh, also most excited about. They've got so many good offensive players. Um, Dallas, a team who's starting to put it together. Um, you know, it's an exciting matchup. They've got the over-under at 5.5, which I think is a good number to always bet on. Uh, ben Bishop has been pretty pretty good as of late, but I expect him to have a bad game as Colorado comes to town. I take the over on the 5.5. Uh, I just think Colorado's going to score enough to uh, to win you that bet. And then the final game, you've got Ottawa, one of the worst teams in the league, heading to the um, you know the hottest team in the New York Islanders. On the money line, they're two, they're minus 270, which is absolutely massive. Um, which you know gives you a good idea of how they feel about Ottawa. I say take the Islanders. They stay hot. They go for ten in a row. Um, you know that's the team that I'm putting the money on. So those are the the bets on Smith's hits. Again, follow us on Twitter, Puckhead Pod. You're gonna get picks throughout the week um, and other hockey news. So it's a great way to stay informed on what's going on. Perfect, perfect. I bet that those are gonna hit. That's what we're looking for, right? That they are gonna hit. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Smith hits and yeah, go to our Twitter. As you mentioned, the Twitter is Puckhead Pod. At Puckhead Pod, and you can you'll find out more about the show and then see keep up with what's going on in the NHL. And if you want to email us, get involved with the show that way. Puckheadspodcast at gmail dot com. You can listen to a variety of you know podcast platforms, Spotify, um, Anchor, uh, whatever. And so anyway. Uh, that's all the time we have, Zach, and I do want to wish uh, all of our veterans a great Veterans Day weekend. We will be on next Monday on Veterans Day, but uh, yeah, I hope that, you know, you see a veteran, thank them for their service and everything that they've done. It's, it's a huge, incredible sacrifice that they have given to our country. Absolutely. So, all right. So, for Puckets, that's all we got for this week. We'll be on again next week. That's Monday, dropping Tuesday, you know, either Monday night or Tuesday morning. So, for Zach Smith, I am Matt Rosenberg, and we will see you next week. Have a great week, everybody.